Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, Oilers getting ready for the preseason practice today, downtown Community Arena. Saturday at 6, we'll have the face-off show here on 6.30 Chet. Puck will drop at 8 against the Vancouver Canucks. Game 1 of a 6-game homestand to start the regular season for the Oilers. Devin Shore and James Hamblin assigned to Bakersfield today. Jason Demers released from his professional tryout. Holiday Monday. Hope you've had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we look back on some of our recent favorite interviews here on Inside Sports. I talked to my buddy, Sportsnet's Gene Principe. He ran the Edmonton half marathon in august uh well you know what people like you um i have met um many people in the last uh, i would say five ten years that would say well in your case you've run a marathon or i've run a half marathon or i went to vegas to run or i ran this or i ran that and i thought you know, I'd always kind of wanted to to run something more long distance. As a soccer player, you know, it was uh, sprints and, and short distances. When I refereed soccer, we had to do a fitness test, and it involved running, you know, four or five miles is what I would run, and then some sprints on a track. This was something out of my comfort zone. Uh, not, I had, think I ran a 10-kilometer race Oh, like 25 years ago on a bit of a whim, I, I signed up for five kilometers and I think somebody embarrassed me into running 10. And so uh, it's something that's been way in the, uh, kind of on the back shelf, but something I always had kind of thought about. And so I thought, let's give it a go. And uh, thanks to the internet, I, I kind of uh, grabbed a fairly straightforward program to train on and I really liked it. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to know if I can do it until I, I start. And so I just started doing what it said. And, uh, yeah, and I ran a half marathon. Okay. Well, there. so there it yeah. is, uh, which is, which is, so that was, that's the longest you've ever run. Like you didn't do, t- so it's for people who might not know, it's 21.1 K, right. which is yeah. 13 miles. You, yeah. So you had never done that distance no, before. No, not, not even close, to be honest with you. I ran that, that 10 K as a one-off. Uh, I think the longest I had ever really run, I have a nice circuit around my house that I would do that was kind of four to five miles, and that was that was it. That's all. Uh, and, and when I was refereeing soccer and you got to the kind of the national level, you had to run uh, two 200-meter sprints, two 50-meter sprints, um, and you also had to run like, uh, well, basically they wanted you to run three kilometers in 12 minutes or less, so four-kilometer uh, pace for those three kilometers but it was everything was kind of a sprint there was no you know even the even the 12 minute run you i mean you're going fast hard because uh, you wanted to hit that four minute pace so something like this honestly Reed, i thought man this is nuts like oh, i wouldn't run somewhere that would be something i would normally drive uh you know 10 kilometers or 12 kilometers or you know whatever it was but you know i i will say this to anybody trying to do something they don't normally do but want to try i'd say at least do it you know i that program i thought was great because it gave me a couple of rest days a week and it was really it, it eased you into it you know three and a half miles and four miles and five miles and then 
four miles and four and a half and five. And then as many people uh, who listen to you that are runners will know, generally the long run is on Sunday. And, you know, you're at six miles and the next week it's seven and it's eight and it's nine. I never ran more than 10 uh, miles in my training. And, uh, yeah, it just, yeah, it just kind of happened. You know, a week turned into a month, turned into two months. I had a, I had a couple weeks where I, I kind of pulled a muscle playing slow pitch, which tells you how old I am. Uh, and so I had to kind of rest, which I was a bit disappointed because I didn't want to sort of lose what I was gaining. But luckily, it was kind of early in the process. It wasn't in the last two weeks. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I really, you know, I don't need anyone to pat me on the back. Like, I, I didn't do it for that. But, boy, as a, as a personal level of satisfaction we're so hard on ourselves sometimes in life and we disappoint ourselves with sometimes important stuff sometimes non-important stuff but to do something for me uh, it felt it felt really good I, I i i felt really just sort of uh i don't know it just gave me a little uh extra step to say you know i, I wanted to do this and i did it great i'm happy for myself which sometimes we don't spend enough time doing I'm very proud that you did it. I, I know sometimes when I talk to people about my running, and running is not something I got into until my early 30s, and, and I am a, a recreational runner. Bruce Bowie gave me a great line, our former morning show host who ran, I think he was in the 30s for, or something for maybe probably even higher, I'm probably not doing wow. justice, but but he always said I'm a, I'm a completer, not a competitor, which is a good yeah. way to look at it. You know, a lot of times when I tell somebody, I, you know, I did this race, I did this race, and I, have, I haven't done that. I double-checked this afternoon, Gene, because I got a record, uh, like a little law, of all my actual timed runs, you know, you know, on races, I've done eleven half marathons and two full marathons. So, wow. you know, and there's, and as you know, like there are these really incredible runners who will do, you know, hundred k oh. races like twice oh. a month in the summer, something like that. So, so we're on a much smaller level. But sometimes people will say to me, "Well, I would like to do that," or "I wonder if I could do that." And I always say, "Yes, you can do it," but prepare don't plan to run a half marathon next weekend if you're not right. a runner but yep. if you commit to a program like you did and commit to improving and taking care of yourself probably in three months you can like it, it's amazing how yep. quickly you you can get there you know again it, it won't take you can't do it really fast but give yourself some time train eat smart you know yep. rest set aside time to run uh, and I will say this to people too. It, it like I have noticed, um, and again, I don't want to make it sound like I got depressed or anything, but my mood was, I, I did not feel as up this summer when yeah. I wasn't able to run as much. Like it, it, it helps you. I, I really think it's a, it's a mental benefit as much as a physical benefit. I agree. I, I already missed it. I, what I did is I ran a little bit after and then, uh, we have some stuff at home that I, uh, uh, that I, I, work on as well and, and actually i've kind of <laughs> i'm never going to be on the, the the front of muscle magazine but now i've kind of changed my focus that i want to kind of tone up a bit and and uh you know just now i want to try something I, i've lifted some you know when i was young i lifted weights and and have sort of you know lift some weights i, I want to make it clear i'm i'm not any kind of you know guy who's doing you know three sets of 10 at 50 and then you know whatever but i thought you know what over the next probably five six months i want to get into more push-ups and sit-ups and and different things to train uh my body sort of in a different way uh even though 
Well, I've already kind of uh, emailed myself a, a, a marathon program. I, I thought as soon as I finished my app, I'm like, I'm not doing, there's no way I'm doing this times two. But, you know, I, I, I thought about it a bit and went, well, I, I was like that guy you spoke of. Well, I'd like to try that. So I can try training for a full and see what happens. And, you know, six weeks in, if, if I've got sin splints or, you know, my hips or so, you know, whatever, um, and, I, and I can't do it, I'll be, you know, I'll be a bit disappointed, but I would be more disappointed if I didn't at least uh, try it. And I agree with you. You know, give it a go. Like it's, it's amazing what you can accomplish uh, when you put your mind to it. And uh, I, I coach my daughter in soccer, and I, I love, I, I really enjoy Jay Woodcroft's um, comments, quotes, mantras, themes. And you know, one that I heard him say was something to the effect of, "Hey, listen, when you." Uh, commit to not worrying about me and instead decide on we, we can do great things. And I just kind of thought, you know, yeah, I'm going to commit to to trying something. And uh, yeah, it was really great. It was, you know, and maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, you prove something uh, to yourself. But I, you know, I I always, we always kind of push people, oh, you know, get out of your comfort zone, try something different, do something you haven't done before. So to to say it to people and never do it, it seems a bit hypocritical. So I thought, well, why don't I do it? So I did. Okay, I want to ask you one more thing, and we will get to some Oilers comments, but about your sure. run, because, I, I, you know, again, sometimes when I finish a race, people say, how did it go? Did you get tired? And yeah. I, I want to share my experience, and, and maybe you're going to have something totally different. But I have found when I do a race, yes, I get tired. Like, sure, there, there's, you know, some fatigue and you're running a long time. But I, I can deal with that. It's not as if I start thinking like, oh, I can't breathe or I need to quit or I got to pull over. It's often something else. And I have found I don't necessarily know what body part it's going to be. Yeah. Um, I've had races where I, after I'm done – you know, the soles of my feet are just on fire for two days. I had one race um, where my shoulders were just killing me afterwards oh, wow. for a few days. I think just from the from, from the arm movement. So what yeah, was right. the most uh, physically taxing part of the half for you? Well, I did something stupid. I didn't listen to my wife. Uh, <laughs> she had bought me a, a really nice pair of runners. And I mean, you know, running runners. Uh, for Father's Day, and at that point, I was uh, I was only running, you know, probably the longest distance with like four and a half five miles, maybe twenty miles a week, which uh, is is a lot. But I didn't find it affecting me in any way, and so I said, I ah, return those. You know, I'm a cheap Italian. Just return those runners. I won't need them. Um, but as I got to longer distances, um, and more often, I found for me that uh, my hips were right literally like in the hips, the joints there, I, I found that that's where I was having the most problem. Now, I don't know if a better pair of runners would have helped. I can't imagine they would have hurt. Uh, so that's one lesson I, I learned was, you know, it's literally the only thing you have to buy to run uh, virtually. So to not have had what at least I thought could be the best possible for me running was not a smart move. So I found my hips were quite sore at the end. And the run itself, 
Uh, you know, the first, I, uh, you know, I talked about this with you, is I, I broke it up into basically four or five kilometer runs was how I, I marked it in, you know, in my own mind. And uh, first five, fine. Second five was a bit more difficult than I thought. And I thought, I got another X amount to go. Uh, third five wasn't bad. I thought, oh, okay, I've kind of picked up some steam. I seem pretty good. And then the last, you know, probably two or three were a bit uh uh, were a bit challenging and as as you know uh from your own experience from us covering uh not only uh, athletes uh, locally but professionally a lot of mind over matter right uh i think before i started this process if someone told me i was going to feel like that wow i might just pull the plug i might just ah you know i don't know if i'll finish but when you're doing it um it's it's different and you you push yourself physically and you push yourself mentally and i'm like you read i listen i wasn't trying to do this in an hour and you know nine minutes and 14 seconds i was just wanting to be as as bruce bowie said a, a completer and and in fact i never i never timed any of my runs ever except for the last one uh when i ran uh, i just i didn't want to feel like i had a bad run i didn't want to feel like all oh, my time was slower um and because i just wanted to complete it i didn't have to worry about it for myself now if i were to run a marathon and train again to do that i think that i wouldn't do that i would time it at least loosely once a week or your long run or whatever i'm not sure i time everyone but uh yeah it was it, that for me my hip so uh, long answer I felt like Alex Hempke, uh, who we just saw uh, around Edmonton and in the border uh, battle of Alberta. Yeah, my hips were a bit uh, sore, uh, and, you know, I would say I don't know if I could have went much farther. If I had to, uh, we would have had to have seen if I could have done it or not. Always love having Gene on the show. We got a, uh, a very interesting, very unique story about Wayne Gretzky and Rod Phillips coming up next. You're listening to 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So I was talking to Brian Wild with Global Montreal. He used to work here in Edmonton. And, we, we, you know, he comes on to talk about the Canadians, how they're looking for this season and all this kind of stuff. But we were talking about Edmonton area golf courses, and that led to a very memorable story from early in his career. I interviewed Wayne Gretzky at the Lakes in Spruce Grove. It was my first professional interview. Al McCann, if you remember the name, this is going to be a good little story for you. Um, if you remember the name, he sends me out there. Uh, Gretzky's got a bad toe. I've never done a professional interview. All I've ever done are interviews at Nate, Radio and Television Arts. And that was nervous enough talking to Perry Pern. So I go out and Al McCann sends me out there, Reed, and uh, uh, the cameraman's there. And I, so, I say... Uh, I'm sorry to bother you, uh, Mr. Gretzky. I know you're golfing, and uh, the last thing you want to be bothered with is is somebody, um, you know, asking you questions. But I was wondering if I could talk to you about your toe. And I swear to God, and I have to edit this, Gretzky goes, F off. He said the ag- actual words. And I was nearly in tears. <laughs> <laughs> and then I look back, and first of all, I see my cameraman. And my cameraman's laughing his head off. So I look back, because I turned away nearly crying. I look back, and Rod Phillips, who was the play-by-play guy, is rolling on the green, laughing his head off, because I look like I'm in tears. And Wayne felt so badly, so badly, that he goes, sorry, Rod put me up to that. 
I really feel bad. Of course I have a second. So I'm trying to regroup. And like I said, it's pretty much my first professional interview. I asked him one question. The answer was 25 seconds, Reed. And he says, listen, I feel so bad. We're on the 17th. We only got one hole left. You want to stay for lunch? It's like noon, right? <laughs> I say, no, I got to put this together. <laughs> only 26 seconds, Reed. There wasn't a lot to put together there. But I was so overwrought by that moment. Gretzky telling me to F off and Rod rolling around laughing. And I swear to God, in the, in the CFRN, CTB uh, sports department, Lisa and Corey uh, and Rod and Al, I mean, they basically told that story. It was more popular than Al getting run over by a horse for years. <laughs> that oh, story. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, on any given night, uh, Rod Phillips and or his daughter Quinn may be listening to this program. So I, I hope they're able to hear that story. Uh, oh, Rod, Rod will remember it well. Rod, Rod will, but I mean, what, what, what a, what a great guy. <laughs> well, what a great little, I mean, for the first guy, I mean, it's the perfect initiation, right? I mean, it's the perfect frosh. You can do no better than, you know, the anxiety of talking to Wayne Gretzky in your first interview and then the double anxiety of he saying that and then the embarrassment to know that you've basically been had and then to double down on that by not accepting lunch with Wayne Gretzky, who I never eventually ever had lunch with. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, you know, like that was my shot and I blew it. So straight um, out of eight. That's amazing. Straight oh. out of eight. Oh yeah. And I mean, I was like, I looked 11. I was on television already, you know, and I was actually filling in for only three weeks. The deal was Brian, we can't get anybody good. So we're going with you because who's going to quit their job to work three weeks. Cause we only need you until, the Oilers missed the play or eliminated from the playoffs. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, they go all the way to the Stanley Cup finals and lose to the New York Islanders. So oh. by then I'm there three months and then Rod and everybody need vacation. So they needed me the rest of the summer. And then they said to hell with it. You're not horrendous anymore. Just stay on. <laughs> so that's wow. my old story. That was a good one. Totally unexpected to get that from Brian Wild, Rod Phillips. Wayne Gretzky uh, having some fun with him at the links in Spruce Grove. Okay, one of the legends of green and gold, Jim Germany, coming up next. It's the best of Inside Sports on 630, Chad. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630, Chad. CFL this afternoon, it was Ottawa beating Montreal 24-18. Elks will play Saturday at home against Toronto. Oilers will play at home Wednesday against Vancouver, Saturday at home against Calgary. We have all those games for you here on 630 Chet. Earlier this season, the Edmonton Elks inducted three legends into their wall of honor. Ed Jones, Joe Holloman, and Jim Germany, who I spoke to. Well, when I left Edmonton, I, I got into a sales career. I worked with companies such as Xerox, the copier people. Then I went to a company called ADP, the payroll people. So I was involved with sales because it reminded me so much of playing sports. And so I excelled in it. I thought I was good in football, but I was better in sales. Really? Why do you think that is? Oh, well, I tell you what. Um, uh, I, my, I build rapport with people, and then there's just something about me. I guess maybe my size, who knows. But anyway, that was, a, that was something that helped me out in my sales career. And uh, as I said, I uh, basically was in sales. And I also started a company called Curry Sports. 
I believe I was up in Edmonton playing a golf tournament in 2010. And at that time, I, uh, I was in charge of a sporting company, and we were trying to turn it into the next Nike. That never happened. We sold out. But, yeah, my career has always been in sales. I find that like playing football. You know, you get oh, out there, you compete. Yep. Okay, so you obviously, you're talking to a lot of people, you're building relationships. Do you bring up your football career, or do you ever have somebody say, hey, aren't you the same Jim Germany? Does that ever happen? You know, that's, that, you, 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 that's the way it usually happens. And first of all, I said, well, was he good? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the first thing I asked. And if they say yes, I say, oh, yeah, that was me. If they say no, I, I just admit it anyway. But, you know, that's a that's a great way to lead into a, into a sales call. But, yeah, I, I use that as, to my advantage, to be honest with you. Okay, good for you. Jim Germany joining us tonight at Inside Sports. He's going on the Wall of Honor at Commonwealth Stadium next Saturday when the Elks take on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. All right, well, now I want to go back a little bit. Uh, you were drafted, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jim, because sometimes the Internet isn't totally accurate, but um, you're drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals in the mid-'70s. This is the team that is now uh, in Arizona but you wound yes, up coming to uh, Edmonton. What, what what was the story about coming out of New Mexico State and then eventually winding up in green and gold? Okay, so I was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, and I was the 33rd player picked in the 1975 draft. Here's a trivial question for folks. That was the last time the NFL had the draft in January. So, um I uh, So I was drafted the 33rd player picked because there was only 28 teams. I was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals. I was a little shocked because I never talked to them at all. And anyway, I wound up going there. And the first week of practice, I sort of cracked my ankle. And so I was pretty much inactive for most of the preseason. And on the date when they released players, uh, there was another player there that was returning kickoffs, and, and, and he did real well. So they traded me to the Green Bay Packers. And I was in Green Bay for two days, and uh, they said, your ankle is cracked. And I said, yes, I know. (laughs) They basically said, why did they send you here? And I'm like, I don't know. And anyway, so uh, um, they released me, and I decided to go home. I was pretty um, rejected simply because, you know, I just came out of a college atmosphere where they took care of you. They'll tell you everything to do. Whereas when you play professional football, you know, that, that doesn't happen. So you have to bring your own cleats and all that good stuff. So um, it was a learning lesson for me. I had an agent who was the, uh, his name was John Wooten, and he was the pulling guard for Jim Brown. And so he basically said, Jim, you know, you're good. That was just misfortunes. Don't worry about it. And I signed with the Dallas Cowboys. I uh, got to the Dallas Cowboys, and um, I was doing real well. But um, back in those days, Dallas ran a sort of a disciplined offense, and they said I wasn't a disciplined runner. So anyway, to make a long story short, they released me. And Coach Tom Landry said, Jim, you're a great player. Uh, you're, you're not a good fit for us. Don't give up. Well, when he said don't give up, I was about to give up. Okay, I was going back to school and I was going to finish my degree, and I received a call from a gentleman named Ray Yock. And Ray Yock was, I guess he was a, a scout or a general manager with the Edmonton Eskimos, and he was trying to get me to come up in 76. 
And I just said, listen, you know, I have a bad taste in my mouth for football. I really, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing something else. And he says, I tell you what, Jim, we want you here in Edmonton. We think you could be uh, real good. Anyway, so he uh, he sent me a signing bonus, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll come, okay? So the next season, the 77, is when I came up to Edmonton. So uh, let's just uh, chalk it up to Ray Yock and his persistency. And so that's how I became the Edmonton Eskimo. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question I ask a, a lot of current American players in Edmonton and around the CFL. What, if okay. anything, did you know about the CFL and Edmonton before – you came here. Had you ever considered the CFL as an option before you were contacted by Mr. Yock? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, my ex-college coach at New Mexico State, I think his name was Jim Wood, and I believe he went and coached the Calgary Peters. And, of course, he was trying to get me to come to Calgary through, uh, through different channels. But, uh, um, I, uh, you know, I, there, I really knew nothing about the Canadian Football League because, again, I was a high draft choice. So I was like the 33rd player pick in America. So, you know, that, that's, that's a prestigious award. And um, so, no, I did not think anything about uh, Canada except the fact that Jim Wood was trying to get in touch with me to recruit me to the Calgary Stampeders. Okay, interesting. So, pretty good run for you. You played seven years here. You guys won the championship five times. <laughs> That's an excellent percentage in any sport. Of I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I guess you know, you got a good team. You win one Grey Cup. You win two. All of a sudden, you've won five. But like, did, 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 like, as you're going through that, did you realize how special it was? What, what an amazing run you were on, or were you just embroiled in, you know, week to week, you're trying to win the next game? Well, I tell you what, uh, I knew we had a great team. Uh, I believe I came up the first year that uh, Coach Campbell had started. And so I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid like everybody else, okay? He told us we could be real good. And uh, and then I read about the, the, the rich history of the Edmonton Eskimos. And, um, you know, uh, that really stuck out is that this is, a, 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 this is an organization that had a winning tradition, and uh, and of course the the uniforms look like the Green Bay Packers, so that even you know that even pumped me up a little bit more. And then we got to training camp, and I'll just tell you a funny story. I came to training camp, and there was a mountain of snow down in the south side of town, and I'm like, okay, I, I just came from 110, and it's 30 degrees. I don't think I'm going to make it up here. It's too cold. And so just out of curiosity, I was uh, the first practice. I remember walking up, and at the end of the practice, you throw all your dirty clothes into a bat, into a net, net net bag, and then you throw it to the uh, throw it to the uh, equipment guy. So I took mine, pinned it up, and I threw it to this guy, and he turned around and threw it back at me, and I threw it back at him. And we, you know, we were just volleying back and forth. Never did I realize. I thought it was equipment manager, but it was Tom Wilkinson, the quarterback. <laughs> so uh, I thought that was pretty cool. I'm like. You know, who is this munchkin throwing this, <laughs> this back at me? And I never realized he was starting I never realized he was starting quarterback until maybe three days later I was in a huddle with the first team and I'm like, Man, you the quarterback? <laughs> and so you know, it, it, and, and and to be honest with you, from there from that point forward I saw this this equipment manager playing quarterback. <laughs> okay. And I thought, you know what, this this has to be a special team. So I, I 
As a matter of fact, I fell in love with him because I'm like anybody that short trying to play quarterback, you know, <laughs> he has my vote. So. Well, he is a beloved figure in Edmonton, as I'm sure you're not surprised to hear, as is Warren Moon. And a lot of that yep. era is remembered for the Wilkinson-Moon combination, yep. transition, whatever you would like to call it. What do you remember about, uh, the, you know, Wilkinson and Moon as the quarterback duo? Why did it work? Well, well I'll tell you what. My first year was with, with, with Tom, and I, I, he was tremendous, you know. How many times do you see a midget playing professional football, right? <laughs> so anyway, uh, um, I remember Warren came up the next year, and he and I had pretty much the same personality, so we hit it off real well. And just like most rookies, he's like, man, am I ever going to play, so on and so forth. And I said, Warren, you know what, they gave you a lot of money, so you are going to play. I said, what you need to do is remember, you were drafted in the NFL, and they drafted you because – for whatever reason, they have this stigmatism against black quarterbacks. We can't read, you know, you can't read a defense. You can't do this. You can't do that. I said, well, my advice to you, Warren, is get to, you, you see that little short guy right there? He is good. And, you know, he knows how to read a defense. You need to go over there and just be a sponge. And everything he does, you need to do. And he took that advice, and we are where we are today, right? Yeah, I want to ask you about one specific game, Jim. Jim Germany joining us tonight on Inside Sports. The the five great cups in a row. I, I know they're they're all special, but the 1981 game gets talked about a lot because you guys went 14 one and one. Ottawa went five and eleven and and won the East and made it. And then they're beating you guys 20 to one at halftime. Yeah. You're down 19 points. Yeah. You come back to win 26 23. How did you guys rally in that game? Uh, okay, so you're really testing my memory, and I'm a senior citizen, so let me make sure I take one of my memory pills. Well, you got a t- uh, you got a touchdown in that game in the third quarter to start uh, the comeback, and then Cutler did kicked I? the game-winning field goal right right at the end. Well, you know what? Um, now that you brought that up, um, that game, I was just pissed off all the game long because, in my opinion, Warren didn't have a good game, and I'm like, Warren, take I can't say it on radio take your head out of your butt and, and uh, start playing. And so, uh, because we were down, like you said, 19 and a half, and I was pissed off. And I was pissed off because he wouldn't give me the ball. If you can't throw it, at least give it to me. I'll take it there. You know, that was my philosophy. And so I'm like, so um, I was just pissed off because he was having a, a, not a great game. Also pissed off because he didn't give me the ball. Okay. Um, when Tom was playing, I got the ball quite a bit. When Warren came in, that's just natural because of the offense. I didn't get the ball as much. But I felt like, you know, I was the difference. And if he did give me the ball, at least I could start getting five or six, seven, ten yards of carry and help us down the field. And I think at some point in the game, he did start giving me, giving me the ball and we started coming back. And I do remember the last play before Cutler kicked the field goal is we were running the ball, he gave me the ball, I'm like, about time, you know, and all of a sudden, like, we got down the field, and I remember one play I was going, and, and, and um, with, the, with the ball, and somebody hit me, and I was literally knocked out, <laughs> and I don't know how I held on to the ball, but I fell down, they called a timeout, and then I believe Cutler came in and, 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 and kicked the field goal with six seconds left, or something to that effect, so, um, you know, uh, we were preordained. I truly believe that 
you know, uh, special players come together. And if you all could see the vision, then, then um, you could achieve a lot. And I think that team, uh, it was a seven-year period of time because we lost the first year to Montreal. And then we went, we won five in a row. So I think it was a special group. Some people sacrificed their games to play with this group. And so I think we all, we all was, uh, was honed in on the same um, game plan. And, yes, it, uh, we just took off from that point forward. Um, you know, when you're good, you win the games that you're supposed to win and you win the games that you're supposed to lose. And that was us, okay? It was a, it was a bad thing of players. That's a great way to put it. I, Jim, thanks for being so generous with your time. I, I, I want to make the most of this opportunity, so just a couple more. You're going oh, on no, to the Bob. Wall of Honor next weekend with Joe Holloman and Ed Jones, who I know played yeah. on the other side of the ball, but uh, yeah. any memories of those two gentlemen? Oh, they're the cockiest people in the world. <laughs> okay, so they uh, they just talk a lot of noise. Most defensive players, I always tell them, you know, us offensive players, you know, we're the smart guys, so we keep up. You know, we have to keep everything under control. You guys, all you do is chase after people. So, you know, if you want to go crazy, go crazy. You know, you can say anything you want. But, yes, those two guys were great, especially Joe Holloman. Never have I seen a cornerback that ran like a four four forty yard dash that weighed 230 pounds that was a big man playing cornerback and and he's he was such an such a great athlete and then ed jones um ed jones at safety was a great safety you know those guys had meshed real well in the secondary along with larry highball i think they probably had the best secondary ever to play in the cfl with those guys so they were very competitive they talked a lot of noise you know and uh, but yeah those guys you know we just had a great team and those guys were stalwarts as far as the defensive backs were concerned they were the leaders everybody followed their lead and Jim, I, I, you're living in the states. Uh, do, do you follow the CFL, or do you watch mostly NFL? Or what's your football interest these days? Well, I tell you what, uh, I really don't watch much football. Uh, I tell everybody, why would you would you go home and watch work? You know, tapes of working. So <laughs> that's how I feel about. It. Uh, I tell you what, I'm more of a college football fan, and all I got to do is say Roll Tide, which is Alabama. And uh, because Willie Martin, who's an offensive, uh, was an offensive guard at Edmonton, he was the uh, offensive line coach at, at Alabama. A lot of people didn't know that, but yeah, Willie Martin was down there, and all the players was six uh, five, three hundred twenty pounds. They looked just like many knees of 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 of, of, of him. So, uh, but I do watch it, and even professional football, I will watch the beginning of the game, and then I'll sort of predict who's going to win, and then I'll. I'll turn back at the end of the game and see if my prediction came true. How often are you right? Um, about eighty-five percent of the time. I could tell. I could tell when a team comes out. The first drive will tell who's going to win the game. I'm going to have to start texting you or calling you for for some advice. I'm not anywhere near eighty-five percent. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Yeah, it's it's well, you know, the thing about having been there. Uh, a lot of people don't realize all the hard work you do, do during the week to prep, prep for the game. And, uh, and uh, so you could see it on the first drive, sort of who's going to win the game. So, 
That's so awesome. At least, I, at least I can. That is Jim Jeremy, really interesting guy. That was fun to have him on the show. It's the best of Inside Sports on 630 Chet. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Thanks for coming along for the ride tonight. You heard from Jim Germany, Brian Wild, Gene Principe, Grant Canton, Trey Watson. All on the best of inside sports here on 630 Chat. Former NBA player Marcus Camby was also on this program. Really good stuff. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Angie Quinnell, your studio producer. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. Live edition of Inside Sports tomorrow at 6. The game Wednesday. Face-off show at 6. Puck drop at 8. All on 630 Chet. Oilers and Canucks. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening.